Hi, just wanted to let you know this episode does discuss uh, some heavy topics about uh, a very, very bad man. Uh, things do involve some uh, sexual assault and some uh, mistreatment in the workplace. Uh, just wanted to give you a heads up. We'll give you a bit more of a description in the line below. But if any of that stuff is worrying to you, we just wanted to let you know. Welcome to Shut Up It's Starting, a podcast where we take the best part of any cartoon, the theme song, and use it to talk about our childhood. I'm Jimmy. And my name's Brad. And on this one today, we've got probably two cartoons that I think ran parallel to each other almost completely, but they'd never had a crossover in audiences from what I could tell, but they have such a similar vibe and it's, oh, it's going to be a fucking good one. <laughs> it's going to be a, a real, real, it's, it's kind of weird, right? Stonery I know you don't mean... <laughs> Well, definitely a stonery one, but like definitely both of these cartoons I was watching when I was way too young for them. Yes. I, I think that that and- is the theme that everyone <laughs> that is listening to this will, will agree on. It, they, were, they were kids' cartoons, but they weren't. Today we are talking about Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead. So it started 1992, um, late 92. It ran for eight seasons, which is pretty good considering it was on MTV, which is not the first thing you think of when you think of cartoons. Um, it, It does tons of music references. It does tons of social uh and and like classist references which i'll get into later um but yeah i I love it absolutely love it and ren and stimpy So the Ren and Stimpy show. The Ren and Stimpy show. So again, the, a show that you really shouldn't show to kids. But as we'll we'll get into later as well, it gets worse with Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> it it really was the first of those sort of gross out humor mm-hmm. cartoons that sort of gave us Rocco's Modern Life and SpongeBob SquarePants. SpongeBob owes so much to that show. Yeah. Um, that started in 1991, ran to 96, five seasons of, let's call it the child-friendly version, because <laughs> yeah. because there was the adult party, adult party, was it 
Ren and Stimpy adult party cartoon, which was the adults only revival in the mid to early 2000s. And ooh, that was rough. I, stu- I stupidly bought that DVD. I still, still uh, have it. All right. Well, let's. <laughs> there's so much to talk about because, again, this is genuinely big memories of what I enjoyed as a child about cartoons, these two shows specifically. But let's let's start with how we always start. What was the better show? Okay, so you might have to indulge me a little bit. I'll go off on a little bit of a tangent, but it's okay. Um, first of all, I, I, I want to say if you were asking me the question of what is my favourite show, it's truly impossible to pick. Like, it, it is truly impossible i love them so much both equally i have uh beavis and butthead like memorabilia and things like that i have ren and stimpy tattooed on my elbows and then just for the sake of a funny spot and it makes me laugh um but i love them both so much which is the better show now it, i might be contradicting myself here and again i'll explain but Beavis and Butthead, I think, is the better show. And it sounds silly on the surface, but let's, let, let me just say this. Seren and Stimpy had better music, better voice actors, certainly better animation, and was probably all around funnier. If we, it, they're both comedies, so let's just fair say that is the funnier one of it. But it didn't have the one thing that Beavis and Butthead does have is a legacy. And what I mean by a legacy is that Beavis and Butthead started something and it never, nothing ever took over from it and nothing was ever like it before that. Ren and Stimpy, as amazing as it is, is still at heart that cat and or two animal duo that get up to hijinks they go way back to like tom and jerry and and things like that it still has that formula to it and while it while i think we can agree that it was the more popular of the show as a kid uh ren and stimpy ren stimpy was famous at the time instantly whereas it's the opposite of a cult classic it's now gotten to the, the point where people don't really reference Ren and Stimpy. Beavis and Butthead only ever grew in cult popularity to the point that Beavis and Butthead is now getting another revival and another movie. Okay, so... Wow, there's there's so much going on in that statement, man. So much. Um, Let's let's start start at the, the start with the whole... Okay. There was nothing like Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead were like a cross between Gen X, Gen X Slackers and Mystery Science Theater 3000. Like it's, it was so like, you know, chocolate and peanut butter for that particular time mm-hmm. that, I mean, this is know, the time is gonna go down. that the American family, I guess, or the, the, the middle America snapshot is the Simpsons, which is, a behemoth of a show, which we won't even compare yeah. to it. This is a real raw look at middle America, boring middle America. 
like, and I mean, not just boring middle America, but, you know, teenagers that have been failed by the system. Yeah. I really don't know how you modernize Beavis and Butthead without it being horribly depressing. True. Like, like it's, it's super uh, sad watching these two, you know, young people who are like, do they have canonical ages? But they're, they're teenagers. They're like 14, 15 or something. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, if anyone knows it, let us know. But I, I, I don't think it ever mentions how old they are. Yeah, uh, but it's like clearly the like their school. They go, they go to a high school. Yeah, they're in high school. Yeah, um, they have part time jobs working, uh, you know, at a, at a hamburger place, and it's just, you know, their lives are so miserable. Like, it's just they are. It's though, just which is which is that's, the beauty of it. Yeah, they're actually pretty happy. They love with... what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> they love that um, Highland is a toilet to live in of a town. I mean, they maybe mm. love is not the right word, but they accept that that's where they're from. And it's, it, the, the simple things entertain them. I, I think that part of the legacy of Beavis and Butthead, obviously, I feel like, you know, you can't really talk about Beavis and Butthead without touching on, because it's all Mike Judge. Like, all of Beavis and Butthead is just Mike Judge. He pretty much does everything, and, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He did the theme song. He did the voices. Uh, he does all of that. But it's kind of important to kind of remember that after Beavis and Butthead, you know, uh, came the spin-off Daria, which we're probably going to have to talk about at some point because... It sort of like expanded the idea of how does an actual teenager in the 90s or the late 2000s or the early 2000s deal with all of the stuff that Beavis and Butthead were dealing with. There's also King of the Hill, mm-hmm. uh, Office Space and Idiocracy. Yeah. All King of, of the Hill is another sort of... fantastic example of that. This is a real middle America. And it yeah. may seem like a boring show, but that's boring life. Yeah, and what's interesting about that is I always looked at it this way. Beavis and Butthead kind of looked forward or in the moment. Ren and Stimpy looked back. Absolutely. It, it, it's so referencing to the golden age of Hollywood and, and like, top Golden cat, age of animation. Yeah, things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, it's because, and, like, you know, it's it, Ren and Stimpy aren't, characters exactly right they're just vehicles that you can put in any situation to make they're they're a comedy duo Mm. they're like abbott and costello or um that's what i mean about like it's the it's not it's treading the same ground of like tom and jerry was obviously a good just an example of you know two animals that are doing their thing and they're always in a different situation but that it is that straight man and the comedy duo Well, yeah, like, it's really interesting, right? Because I don't think Ren and Stimpy have a straight man. Like, when I I look at Ren and Stimpy, I I definitely see more influence on, like, the Three Stooges, right? So, like, you've got, you know, Stimpy, who's like a combination of Curly and Larry, Mm. and Hoek, who's the quick-to-anger Moe, and... 
Like what's kind of missing there is a lot of the thing that you talk about in the, the idea of the comedy duo versus the comedy trio. In a comedy duo, you have the straight man and the comedian. And I think Brendan Stimpy kind of never really got that balance right. Right, because the funny thing is when Ren gets upset and smacks Stimpy around, uh, or Stimpy says something silly, you know. Um, whereas the comedy trio is, you know, and this is, you know, we're talking everyone from the Marx Brothers to the Three Stooges to Tripod and the Axis of Awesome and all those comedy trios, where the 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 lineup is pretty much there's the guy who doesn't know what's going on, but is for some reason in charge. There's the guy who doesn't know what's going on, but listens to the leader. And the guy who does know what's going on, but can't get heard over the, the voice, the leader. And I always thought that dynamic fit Ren and Stimpy a little bit better than the comedy duo, because neither of them, and that's why, you know, when you get, such interesting characters in the show itself for them to bounce off like uh you know some of the best episodes are the ones with mr horse yeah and um, powder toast man jo- powder toast man george liquor oh yeah <laughs> where they <laughs> where <laughs> where they get um you know someone else to bounce off of are the best episodes uh like uh so i i kind of feel like it, it, it's definitely a, everything about Ren and Stimpy is a throwback, mm-hmm. but it's a throwback further than, like you were saying, to the golden age of Hollywood and, and to the golden age of animation well before. Um, so like in the nineties, nostalgia was a huge thing. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Uh, we were talking uh, about the 70s in the nineties, we were nostalgic for the seventies that were nostalgic for the, uh the 50s so we got a whole bunch of really weird revivals like the brady bunch had a movie oh yeah in the 90s uh this was so much further back that anyone was kind of ready for and i think that kind of speaks of its endurance is the fact that you know these jokes still work farts are still funny (laughs) the difference is that no one had done it uh in the for lack of a better term, with this high level of quality in an animated <laughs> cartoon. No, I know, you know I know what you mean. Like, it's a show would have a fart joke, as you said, would be the end, like, you know, comedies to the end of time have something like that. But Ren and Stimpy was a type of show that Stimpy would then nurture and raise his own fart as his own child in one episode. And it's like... yeah. The, the the writing behind it wasn't just a, all right, we have a funny idea that's going to be the episode of the show or we have something that's referencing the modern times like South Park does and that's going to be the show. Ren and Stimpy really feels like they, they, they put a writing team into every single episode and there's one, there's a, I think probably one of the best episodes they ever made was one that was so self-referencing that I didn't realize it was until I was an adult that that's what it was doing. And it's where Stimpy makes his own cartoon. Do you remember this one? Oh, yeah, where they go through the hideous cartoon program. so clever. Exactly that. 
Ren becomes the yeah. producer and he becomes like um, ob- obsessed with power and abusive to towards Stimpy to get this cartoon done. And at the end of it, spoilers, Ren becomes famous and gets all the money because that's what the producer does in real life. And it's so... It's brutal. It's and it's so, so well written. And the, they use they 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 make this cartoon like you would make a cartoon back in the fifties and forties. They don't make a cartoon like the present time. They use all these huge giant cameras taking cell shots like of individual scenes, and Stimpy yeah. draws it like by hand and paints it. And it's they live in a different world almost, it's not just a different time. <laughs> It's really like, I mean, this is probably a good time to segue into the production mm-hmm. of these two shows. And no, it's nine days. Sort of talk. Oh, my God. Like the, the thing that's sort of, it's interesting to me, right? Because Ren and Stimpy's production quality and animation is incredible. Absolutely. They got a fantastic team to do it. Uh, and you know, you know some of the fantastic still frames. They're so on the, good, uh, aren't they? Just like those close-up shots that are like paintings, and it's always something really gross—a <laughs> play, yeah, plate of pig faces or something. <laughs> yeah, it's always that sort of. Again, coming back to the uh, the idea that it's a golden Hollywood cartoon, where they're like. And I'm going to eat these hog jowls. (laughs) And it cuts to a picture of the hog jowls that are just static and sitting there. But I can't imagine anyone having a good time in the Ren and Stimpy office. Yeah, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know the story behind it. But I know know one story (laughs) behind it, which I'll get to in a sec, but. Yeah, there was there was a document. I, I think we're talking about the same thing. There yeah. was a documentary made very recently uh, about John K. Yeah. John Kozol- Krasinski. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, but but John K. Uh, and how he ran the animated studio. And he is a horrible person. He is a terrible boss and a sexual predator and a very very bad man yeah and he was kicked off the show after two seasons i believe um yeah he was also also voicing ren hoek at the time yeah yeah i noticed that even as a kid that ren's voice changed a little bit yeah but they got billy west in um but have you ever heard anything bad ever about mike judge no no um me neither absolutely everyone that's in interviews him says he's yeah, he's just a delight and he's a like a workhorse. And I, if anything, people are screwing him over and being mean to him. If you're going to get, yeah, split hairs. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I've, I've never heard a bad thing about Mike Judge, but I can tell like Ren and Stimpy, that Ren and Stimpy was originally just a, a drawing that John Kay did for another animation project oh, okay. that the studio studio picked up and is like, we like this dog. What's the, this dog, Ren, Ren Hoek, make a cartoon about Ren. Beavis and Butthead particularly, uh, but pretty much everything Mike Judge has ever done sort of comes from a, 
a place of love. Like he makes fun of stuff, but he does it because he feels strongly about it or he enjoys it or he's feels like he's saying something that hasn't been said and that's why whatever he's doing exists yeah i I would actually agree with you on that i i think like i'm not i I, i'm a huge beavers and butthead fan but i'm not across daria or not really across king of the hill all that much they just they never really appealed to me but it doesn't seem like especially with king of the hill it doesn't seem like he's making fun of hank and the family I mean, it, it seems like they are the jokes, they the jokes against them, but same as the jokes against Beavis and Butthead, because like at the, at the end of the day, they're fucking idiots. <laughs> like even for teenagers, they're just dumb as dog shit. But yeah, there's still the love behind them. Like you still don't, you still feel sorry for Beavis and Butthead if something bad happens to them. Yeah, you genuinely root for Beavis and Butthead. You want them to do okay, even if they're snarky and silly. You don't want to see anything particularly bad happen to them. Whereas, like, something bad happening to Ren and Stimpy, that's the joke. That's the joke. They're they're essentially immortal anyway, um, because it doesn't live in any realms of reality whatsoever. But Stimpy... Yeah, it can go either way. Ren, you don't give a shit if something happens to Ren because he's a narcissist. <laughs> well, yeah, like the whole the whole point of Ren is that, you know, you're not meant to feel bad when horrible things happen to him. No. Uh, and I just, like, I think that speaks a little bit about the whole production side of things. You know, Ren is this, you know, or particularly in the cartoon episode, he's this horrible... Uh, cartoon figure of a producer mm. that works Stimpy to death and then takes all of the credit. Um, you know, I, I, all I'm saying is I can, I can see a lot of parallels with John Kay yep. in that particular cartoon. It'd be interesting to know where in the production schedule that cartoon was written and, and made. Well, that, um, that was the other, that was the other thing that I was going to touch on, you know, Ren and Stimpy episodes were routinely running behind to the point where Nickelodeon, who were the, the network that Ren and Stimpy were broadcast on, would have to daily send someone down to the Spumco studios. Yeah, right. And check up and see, is the work getting done? Because we're giving you a whole bunch of money and you're two, three, four weeks behind, which is why there's so few Ren and Stimpy episodes Yeah, compared to a number of different contemporary cartoons. I want to talk about the structure of the shows too. Sure. So like Ren and Stimpy and Beavis and Butthead, both roughly 11-minute um, situational cartoons where something happens. In Ren and Stimpy's case, often something outlandish, like they're in space or their Canadian kilted yaksmen. Or they die. Or, or they <laughs> there's, there's die. There's the one where they or... plan their own funeral and then they go down into the coffin. And just quickly, um, there's an episode. Now, this is one of those, you know what the Mandela effect is, right? Like when you... Th- yes, yeah. This is when you... Brain, brain plasticity, you remember one thing uh, to be something, like the E in Berenstain to be an I yeah. <laughs> is the famous one, yeah? Or something like exactly that. Exactly yeah. that. So... There, people can get Ren and Stimpy pretty much anywhere now. Like you could watch it pretty much anywhere. And I haven't looked into it in quite a while, but 
there was a point where after the show was cancelled, um, you couldn't really find it very easily. And then they did the DVD runs. And the DVD runs, now we know why they, they came out in such a stag- staggered, weird release. They came out instead of just doing a season per box. They had like season one and then they had season two and a bit. And then they had like season four come out. And then they had, they had it was all over the place. And the reason is because of John Kay. But um, there is an episode that is not on any of the DVD boxes. If it is, I've never found it. And I saw it as a kid and I know it exists. And it is so fucking bizarre. And I'm wondering if they just left it off because it was too much for even for the show. Not that it has anything, because they're, they're, they're quite strict on um, censoring this show. Like they, they, behaved, yeah. they behaved quite well, to be honest, from what you can get away with. They only censored religious references smoking drinking they they, they yeah. there was there was a character weird stuff. character named character named george licker george, yeah who, george, yeah they, they they borderlined on it and they somehow got away with yeah. it quite well for nickelodeon's standards um but i think this one was just sort of lost a bit because of how weird it was now um stimpy clones ren and instead of cloning him exactly as a copy he splits into his two personalities his evil side and his indifferent side now his evil side is pretty much just a more evil version of ren and his indifferent side is his depressed side that when every now and then ren would just get really depressed and lie there and 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 do nothing now evil ren becomes hitler now, it doesn't, ever, doesn't actually say that he's Hitler, but he becomes a fascist leader. He dresses like that, and there's huge, like, flags and shit that aren't Nazi symbols, but they, they're, like, Ren's logo. They're Nazi symbols. They're, yeah, they're Ren's yeah. logo, essentially. <laughs> and he gets, because Stimpy is, there's a running joke that Stimpy, running joke, running reference that Stimpy is an inventor. He invents the happy helmet. He invents a whole bunch of other stuff. He invents the, the no-fall-down socks and, and all that stuff. So... Obviously, his scientific prowess has somehow managed to clone Ren. Evil Ren wants that technology. Evil at, at the end, I'll skip to the end of the episode. Evil Ren kills indifferent Ren and Stimpy once he's gotten the formula to clone himself, clones himself again and splits into evil Ren and hideously evil Ren. And then they marry each other. And that's the end of okay. the episode. Like, I they can have a see wedding. why... <laughs> evil Ren marries hideously evil Ren, his clone. They kill Stimpy and indifferent Ren, and they have a wedding and drag their bodies behind can... the car. <laughs> Look, I, I don't want to speculate here because I do not remember this episode at all, but I've got a couple of guesses as to why that one might not have made the DVD cut. Yeah, and it doesn't, it, like, you know, there's no swearing, there's no boobies, there's stuff like that is in Ren and Stimpy yeah, all but the time. Does... But the theme of it is fucked. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that's wild. Because, I mean, like, I mean, I, it's interesting, right? Because, of course, DVDs of Beavis and Butthead in their entirety are... Uh, 
everywhere. Well, here's the problem, right? The music is missing. Le- yeah, <laughs> legally. Yeah. So what, what, one thing we kind of haven't really touched on oh, yeah. is how important music was to Beavis and Butthead, right? Beavis and Butthead um, started on MTV. Uh, and while they went through, like, you know, while they were episodic, you know, antics that they went through to do funny things, like set stuff on fire. And, but more interestingly than that um, was the music video segments. Yeah. It was really unique, wasn't it? It was, well, again, it's like mystery science theater 3000. It's Beavis and Butthead watching MTV and criticizing the music videos in a number of, you know, hilarious and uh, interesting ways. And I mean, some of these, I, I, I would, would, it's worth the YouTube, yeah. but they, I, I know for a fact they did fake plastic trees by Radiohead, oh, wow. okay. which is probably one of the earliest yeah. Radiohead, um, like, uh, Radiohead exposure in America. Certainly Faith uh, No after- More got a huge commercial boost because um, yeah. they watched Epic. Um, yeah, like that's rules. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and um, like, you know, uh, Devo, uh, I want to say Sheryl Crow. Um, I know King Missile, Detachable Penis, was one of the oh, big ones. Oh, yeah. forgot about that song. Because, yeah. because Beavis and Butthead just laughed throughout the entire video at the word penis. That's that's the joke um and uh, like again these are bands that like i i don't know what the arrangement was you know uh i don't know if mike judge was going through being like oh this is a video we haven't played in a while or i'm never gonna play this i don't think he would have had a say of it mike judge i think i think it would have been left to the network what they're plugging on rotation what's hot on 120 minutes or whatever other show ran after it Headbangers, headbangers ball. ball, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Alice in Chains were on both. They're on Headbangers Ball and Beavers and Butthead. Like, they would they would have just been like crossing over. It's interesting as well um, that um, the music played such a a vital part of um, of Beavers and Butthead that taking the music out of it. Mm really hurts it in the same way they did with the Daria releases. Cause one of the big things about Daria also an MTV cartoon was that they played hit songs over the credits oh, okay. and featured, featured songs as incidental music, but because uh, licensing laws are weird bands, like, you know, like we're talking huge bands at the time, cake, Foo Fighters, all of these bands were just showing up on the end credits of Daria. Right. But on then they're completely absent from the DVD because there are the licensing laws stopped all of the music from going on. And a very similar thing happened with Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Um, in order to like it's just so expensive to get the licensed music. And I think that also kind of stopped because what I would like, I don't know if this exists, maybe you can help me, but there's no Beavis and Butthead compilation of the music videos is that no there isn't there's there's um i don't know what you call them bots or something that people have created online that you can watch an episode and then where they would normally put 
the music video segment of of Beavis and Butthead, it will then just link to the music video on um, YouTube. Oh, that's so nice. you can kind of keep the continuity, but you just don't have Beavis and Butthead making their comments about. You know. Right, but that's the that's the whole point, though. Yeah. Right. The the whole point of watching Beavis and Butthead is seeing what they think about seeing your what they think. Band. Yeah, and the bands <laughs> at the time loved it. They were like, "Oh, we can't wait!" Like Kirk Cobain is even on record of saying he he like he sat down and watched MTV when Beavis and Butthead played "Smells Like Teen Spirit." No, was it "Smells Like"? It was. I think it might have been "Come As You Are." Um, because the oh, Beavis, wow. because, and he loved that they critiqued it. Um, mm. pretty much all they did, it was definitely come as you are because pretty much all they did was, um, talk about the water effect in it. Like, you know, they just go, yeah. water is cool. And then like the person swinging on the chandelier and, and stuff like that. But that's a good segue to which show has the better theme song. So, okay. First things first, when we talk about theme songs for Ren and Stimpy, there's two that sort of need uh discussing which is probably the big house blues which is the ending credits theme which is the like that's the one that in my mind is most associated with when you see the ren and stimpy logo Mm -hmm. that's the particular song and it's like a big overdriven classic blues number Which matches with Beavis and Butthead's opening theme perfectly, right? Because they're both just like dirty blues with the honky-tonk piano and the um, the overdriven guitar distortion. Neither of them are products of the time when it comes to the music. They're so referencing back. But for me, it's the opening theme of Ren and Stimpy, right? That's that really, again coming back to that classic Hollywood vaudevillian gag, it's like a 1930s jazz um, piece. You can sort of, you know, it's got a vague 12-bar blues structure, but the chords are really weird and there's a whole bunch of jazz runs on the guitar. The bongo, like the drums are distinctly bongos and hand percussion. Uh, it's, It's like... It's actually, yeah, it's like it's like lounge music. Yeah, Renaissance has a real interesting relationship with music. I find with a lot of, like, lot of big uh, band kind of thing. Oh, more the more the classical stuff. Oh yeah, it uses so, that a lot, doesn't it? Yeah, because yeah. like uh, again, because production ran so over budget and so over time, they got a lot of copyright free incidental classical music, like fucking. Like saber dance, and you know the dance, the sugar plum, dance the sugar plum fairies all over that show. Yeah, yeah, and like it's really interesting that they had the time and money to come up with a distinctly of the period that it's parodying uh, theme song mm-hmm. for it. But like, Beavis and Butthead feels more authentic, and I think that's. That's kind of, kind of the, the come around to the whole thing, is that Beavis and Butthead feels like a show 
about real things, you know? I personally really like the intro a lot better in Beavis and Butthead, mm-hmm. um, mostly because, first off, there's that great disclaimer at the start that says, uh, uh, what is Beavis and Butthead are not role models. They're not even human. They're cartoons. Some of the things they do could get a person to hurt, killed, or possibly deported. Yeah. <laughs> in other words, don't try this at home. And like, it's literally just two guys laughing over a blues riff uh, that cooks. Mm. Uh, Brennan uh, Stimpy's real busy. Yeah. Like, it, it has to be for the show. That There's nothing in, the, nothing in Brennan Stimpy that sits still at any moment. Um, except, plot, except for the close-ups of the pictures. Except for the close-ups of the pictures. Yeah, that's <laughs> the only breathing moments when you're looking at something disgusting. Like you're looking at like an old guy's back in his pimples or, you know, the... the mm. Kowalski prisoner making a glass of meat or something. Um, but I, I I see where you're coming from. I, I I have to kind of give Ren and Stimpy the better of the theme, just only because the if you if you're including the intro of the show as well. I, I know it's cheating a little bit, but the intro of Ren and Stimpy and the music is another one of those classic examples of everything working really well. Like um, the bird pecking the tongue right when, like, the strings hit of uh, of the song, yeah. and I know something like that would be completely out of place in in Beavis and Butthead. So it's not fair to say that it's better, but that's the only reason no, I, I'm I meaning mean, that way. I, I get what you mean, and like part of this is that they are so well suited to their own shows, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> like, it's hard to imagine Ren and Stimpy without that that frantic bump, 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 yeah. bongo line that kind of comes up in the the intro. But for me, like, I feel like I feel like if you were to hear Beavis and Butthead's song out in the open you would like want to know more about it. Mm-hmm. Ren and Stimpy's song kind of just blows past you. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I see it, out of context of the show. Yeah. 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 And like, that's not necessarily a knock against either of them. It's just that like, I kind of feel like, and this is one of, I love Ren and Stimpy. Let me just just preface this comment with this. Ren and Stimpy is, you know, one of my first fond childhood memories. Ren and Stimpy thinks it's a lot cleverer than it is sometimes. And I feel like this theme song sort of speaks to that. So look how clever I am. I'm a 19... 50s 70s jazz piece with sliding bass and bongos um, to introduce our frantic cat cartoon um and like that's not a a knock against it it's just very emblematic of some of the problems that kind of popped up in the production of this show and, and um, almost perfect like fitting along with that theme of um the terrible production of the show the song was just thrown together by employees at spumco like uh, under and i think they're under the name i think i've got it here 
uh, die screaming Lederhosen's. And it, it, it feels like they're so far, they're so far behind and Nickelodeon are so far up their ass, like going, can you get stuff done? It's like, who here can play upright bass? Oh, Jimmy can. All right. Put together the theme for the show. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, that's sort of like, I mean, you're right. It's chaos. I feel it's chaos. I feel like exactly that as well. And Beavis and Butthead, contrastly, just feels relaxing. Mm. Like, yeah, even the feel- <laughs> the Do America film, Isaac Hayes does yeah. the the theme in a like a, yeah. a Shaft style, and it, it's smooth. It's you know it, it's punchy. It's got these like you know beats of like the seventies, like Isaac Hayes obviously did. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's still relaxing when you're watching the movie. Like despite the the, the movie having. <laughs> more stuff happened to Beavis and Butthead than has ever happened in the entire show. It's still, this, God, that, the music of it is still so smooth and relaxing. And yeah. That, that soundtrack, I've got to talk about the Beavis and Butthead yep. to America soundtrack for just like five seconds because the best no doubt mind- song, the best song no doubt ever made is on that. I'll, I will fight. What's the no, what's snakes? What's the no doubt track? Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, fair. But I mean, you've got like that's the thing about this soundtrack, right? Not since, you know, Chef Aid, which was probably the next big cartoon CD to come out. You've never had like the amount of artists that showed up for this thing. Isaac Hayes, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Ozzy Osbourne, White Zombie, uh Ingleberg Humperdinck. Fucking ACD for some reason. ACDC. Yeah, Don Shooting's um, on there. And like, and it's not like cutoffs either. It's like, you know, uh Walk on Water by Ozzy Osbourne, mm. which kills. Yeah. It's still fuck, it still kills. It's um it's um, a great mix of uh songs that was specifically for the movie and uh covers and like just a re- like songs that are album cuts, they they all they all fit perfectly. Like obviously the Ren, the Red Hot Chili Pepper song is is a cover or Love Roller Coaster. Yeah, Red Hot, but it's a great yeah, cover for it. And I believe the the um I don't know a hell of a lot about White Zombie, but I believe the White Zombie song was specifically for the movie because they have that whole sequence yeah. in the desert where they're tripping balls yeah. on cactus or parody <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, I was just about to talk about that. <laughs> How good is that I, 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 <laughs> it's, it's like that That to me is actually encompasses what I enjoy so much about Beavis and Butthead, that one it's scene. It's my favourite scene in the movie. I think it's everyone's <laughs> favourite scene in the movie. Where, yeah, Beavis and Butthead eat peyote and or they're lost in walking around the Nevada desert yeah. about to die of well, thirst. It's so how stupid they are <laughs> that they ask, like, they ask for directions. They, they just got away from Hoover Dam in Nevada, if you know your geography there near Las Vegas. They ask for directions to Washington, D.C., which is on the East Coast. And a smart-ass, like, person goes, oh, yeah, it's like 2,000 miles that way. And they're like, cool, thank you. And then they walk. Because they're so dumb, they just start walking through the desert, and of course, <laughs> eat a cactus. 
<laughs> and trip into yeah, this oh, amazing yeah. white zombie film clip. And like it, it it's also it's also one of the best songs on the the record. You know, tanks. What is it? Tanks. Uh, oh, it always escapes me. It, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's a suicide tanks and some cannibal girls. Some sort of yeah, some sort it's, of Rob Zombie <laughs> reference of. You know, I'm going to talk about some bullshit movie from black and white horror movie from the 1950s. <laughs> I, I mean, I like, I like, there's, I, again, I don't have a hell of a lot of knowledge about him. And there's some, there's some white zombie songs that I like, but he, he just seems like a douchebag. <laughs> so I guess now the most important question, who would you get to cover these songs? Um, I'm still making my mind up on, on um, Beavis and Butthead. But yeah, Ren and, Ren and Stimpy, I've got to go with Primus. Um, I know they obviously did yeah. the, the South Park theme song, but I think just a, a, a more Primus are quite modern. I, I don't, I, I, I know people might not think they are, like that they might have this funny sort of rush throwback, but. I think Les Les is, you know, more solo influence coming into Primus has made them yeah. a bit of a weird, well, they're always a bit of a weird band, but I, I think they could do a, a quite a modern version of that song that doesn't, that removes that golden age of Hollywood style soundtracks from it and makes it yeah. a bit more punky for lack of a better word. Yeah, I can see that. Are you thinking for Primus for both of them or well, just the first one? See, Beavis and Butthead again is is another. I, I, we haven't mentioned, but it's quite obvious that they're both instrumental songs. There's no lyrics to them, so we can't. You can't really pick a band that has a distinct vocalist to do it. Um, yeah, that's true. It's more who has a unique instrumental uh, feeling to it, but I, I can't think of anyone. It's, it's it's almost like what we we're talking about earlier that you that Beavis and Butthead's theme song is so perfect for the show that now I can't <laughs> decide <laughs> on someone. It's like yeah, it, it, no one needs to cover it. Um, and obviously Isaac Hayes covered it and it was brilliant. <laughs> so okay, it, it, it's yeah. So that's all right. Um, just because it fits completely with the show and uh, at the time, and I've already mentioned them. Alice in Chains could easily do a fantastic version of that song if they yeah. did it the same sort of style as kind of the man in the box and um, yeah. into, yeah, that sort of, you know, he uses like a talk box for that. And then yeah. they always had, yeah. they've always had these weird harmonies between uh, Lane and, and um, Jerry, when they, and Jerry yeah, yeah. with their vocals. So, you could add the weird ahas that they do over the top of it and it would work. But I think that riff would, would be pretty sick with Jerry's like talk box guitar in it. So yeah, I'll go with that. Okay. Uh, I had a real hard time with this one. <laughs> oh, well, uh, I didn't have an easy time either. <laughs> yeah. Because again, like they're, they're sort of like my immediate thought for Ren and Stimpy is going to be a little bit weird. Ben Folds Five. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Sort of, sort of like with that that jazz guitar line being played on Ben's high keyboard 
with the um you know with the the yep. like that that sort of honky tonky uh jazz like because ben could ben shreds piano oh yeah, be yeah. Able to do that i was You've trying to think the of the name bass. of the song that that he does it on but he pretty much does it on all of them yeah uh un- underground is the one you're thinking oh of. okay yeah. um <laughs> uh so i was i was thinking them for for ren and stimpy yep. uh and i i was trying to think of like because beavis and butthead is just so bluesy and so honky-tonky like the only thing that's really missing from that is a horn section okay right so I, I was thinking again. I, I immediately went to uh, Sly and the Family Stone. Yeah, take it even further than Mr. Hayes well, did. Make it. Yeah, yeah, make it. May, well, I mean, in a slightly different direction, right? Because it's not. It's not funky. No, I mean, it's Sly is it's, Sly is fucking heavy, man. Like he, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's uh like very sort of dark blues with like that you know the stephen cropper guitar <laughs> you know that it already is a stephen cropper it is a stephen cropper guitar <laughs> line anyway <laughs> yeah and you, you could, know you you've could got take the green onions and put it at the start yes. of Beavis and, <laughs> <laughs> and like you know with the, the horn section coming in to just fill in like one of the things that i we didn't really touch on a little bit is the blank space in beavis and butthead really helps it right because the the sparseness of it, you know, it never really builds up beyond guitar, drums, piano, and two idiots laughing. It never really, never really builds up to there. So you get someone like Slider Family Stone to just add some horns to build it up and make it louder and, and bigger. And, you know, just sort of, it's the type of song that uh, I could almost imagine like Run DMC or, someone like that doing a freestyle over it's that sort of blues repetitive so i was almost thinking of throwing like you know run dmc or someone else who's like you know one of those golden age hip-hop artists who would do stuff like um you know like well, pu- one of the public great- enemy would be the, the best yeah example. public enemy like there, there's a lot yeah. of stuff under their under their music um even even to go so far, it's not really the golden age of hip hop, but to go so far to say Cypress Hill, I've always thought like Public Enemy, Cypress Hill, they're rock bands. They yeah. just they just rap over the music. That's all. Like they they yeah. make rock music. Yeah, like the, structurally, I was thinking very much, and I mean, a lot of this is because I've been watching that Netflix uh, show about hip hop by uh, Baz Luhrmann. Um, oh yeah, yeah. But, okay, I haven't haven't seen it. Yet. Uh, I can't. Uh, it's really good. Uh, but one of the things that they touch on there is that the easiest way to do a beat is grab eight bars from a blues record like, um, you know, Walk This Way yeah. by Aerosmith, one of the hip-hop greats, because that beat is just so perfect to put a rhyme over. And that's why the Run DMC hit with it is so is so good, because that's what they did and i reckon beavis and butthead has that same quality so i'm gonna go sly and a family starred with public enemy doing a rap and some laughs <laughs> well with that we're gonna wrap it up you can find me on twitter at gm for hire and you can find me on twitter as well at lint music and you can find the show at sharp starting all one word thanks very much for listening and watch some cartoons yeah.